Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Next Big Thing in Health, a podcast from America's health insurance plans. I'm your co-host, Laura Evans, joined by AHIP's president and CEO, Matt Isles. And our guest today is Dan Trencher, Senior Vice President of Product and Corporate Strategy with Teladoc Health. Dan is responsible for ensuring that Teladoc Health delivers innovative commercial products that transform how people access quality healthcare. Prior to his role with Teladoc Health, Dan held leadership roles at WellPoint and WellChoice Incorporated, developing and managing growth initiatives across the healthcare value chain, ranging from providers to disease management and wellness programs to health information technology. So Dan, I want to learn a little bit more about your career journey and how your experience led to where you are today. I actually joined Teladoc Health now almost nine years ago. So I started in the, in the fall of 2011 when, when we were a little 50-person uh, company. Uh, but actually, uh, my uh, experience in journey in healthcare started uh, uh, almost 20 years ago, I, I guess you could say I was an accidental healthcare executive in that uh, way back in the uh, original dot-com boom and bust, uh, I joined uh, Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, in the, the New York City area, um, which subsequently became part of uh, Anthem WellPoint. Um, and, you know, when I started there, I, I literally didn't know what an HMO was versus a PPO and sort of learned the business from, a ground, from the ground up. Uh, and, and I think uh, learning it at a health plan um, in a product role, which is where I started, was actually a fantastic way to learn um, the full sort of view on the healthcare ecosystem in, in, in the United States and, and how all the different stakeholders uh, intersect. And, and, and what I loved about healthcare is how complicated a business it is. And I really found that uh, energizing and how much opportunity there is, uh, was then and certainly still, uh, still is. Uh, to uh, to improve upon the system and and, and how it can deliver care for uh, uh, for uh, for Americans and so um, I worked at uh, uh, Empire and Anthem uh, up through 2011 um, and then uh, uh, Jason Gorvik who is the CEO of uh, Teladoc back then uh, was uh, you know starting to uh, grow the executive team um, and I had worked with him um, back at Empire and WellPoint as well uh, and uh, you know it was right place right time um, and so an opportunity came up uh, to uh, lead business development at Teladoc and uh, I jumped jumped in uh, it was a it was a big change from working at a large payer uh, of course uh, but saw the uh, the opportunity uh, in virtual care and and but what the heck, let, let's try this and seize it. And it's been a great, uh, great journey since then. Um, uh, again, our uh, company has grown from 50 people to uh, soon to be almost 3,000 people um, and uh, grown in innumerable different ways in terms of the role of virtual care and sort of the range of virtual care. And, um, you know, along with that, uh, I've certainly learned a lot. Uh, about uh, uh, the different parts of the, the, the healthcare industry uh, domestically and abroad, uh, because we're a global company now uh, as well. Uh, so been very fruitful, but uh, you know we still think we're in the early innings of how virtual care is, is evolving. And certainly none of us would have guessed uh, what the world would look like now, uh, you know, three or four months ago or five or six months ago. And so, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about COVID and, and the impact on, on virtual care, but uh, certainly, uh, it's uh, it's accelerated even more um, in, in just in the last few months. So excited for the future. And we know that the world is 
a very different place right now as a result of COVID-19. And there's probably been no more big impact that's been felt across the entire healthcare system with respect to the move to virtual care. How do you think healthcare organizations are responding? And what lessons are emerging for delivering healthcare in this new world we're all living in right now? So uh, if you think about the healthcare uh, uh, ecosystem, there are many different sort of players and stakeholders, uh, obviously ranging from health plans to health systems to consumers um, to, to uh, med tech to, to pharma, et cetera. And, and clearly everyone has been impacted by COVID uh, in, in uh, very material ways, whether to their business or to uh, as for consumers and how we can um, access care or for a virtual care provider, how we can provide care. Um, you know, I would say the biggest headline um, uh, in terms of the impact of COVID uh, on uh, the, the virtual care industry is that um, it was really, it has been an accelerant um, to existing market trends. Um, and and it's almost like going at warp speed uh, for a few months in terms of the evolution and development of the market. Uh, so consumers were impacted because obviously all of a sudden they both had new medical needs, uh, but also an inability to get their, to their, um, you know, for many people, traditional uh, healthcare settings, offices, uh, you know, uh, their, their providers' offices and urgent care clinics, et cetera. Um, and so there was a wholesale acceleration in adoption uh, in trial of, of virtual care. Uh, we also saw that on the provider uh, side of, uh, of the system, um, also wholesale adoption of virtual care uh, for the sort of for the corollary reason, which was or reasons uh, which were, you know, an inability to see patients um, in community offices or um, and obviously cancellation of, of certain types of elective sort of procedures, um, but also a desire to uh, to uh, maintain um, you know, uh, as much as possible, the ability to, to be able to see patients safely. Um, so, uh, you know, we as Teladoc Health operate across the full spectrum of uh, the sort of the healthcare system and saw our visits, um, you know, grow dramatically week over week back in March, uh, as, our, as our CEO talked about, um, and, and really had to sort of scale up very quickly uh, for that and, and, and uh, did so. Uh, we also saw our clients on the hospital and health system part of our market, um, you know, readily switch to uh, using uh, vir the virtual care platform uh, that they had uh, purchased from us as a key enabler to how they could deliver care uh, safely. Um, and in uh, 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 one one company we're acquiring is called InTouch Health, and they're the leader in uh, the uh, uh, generally within the in, within the four walls of, of the hospital type telehealth. Um, and so in that environment, um, there was a rapid adoption of, you know, utilizing a virtual care even within safe to keep, uh, you know, patients isolated within uh, a, uh, a hospital or inpatient uh, environment. And then, of course, for, for health plans, uh, your audience, um, the big changes in reimbursement um, for virtual care. Uh, both in terms of just community physician, you know, reimbursement, but also reducing the uh, cost uh, of uh, virtual care to, to zero in many cases for plans um, and adopting more virtual care services. So we have many clients who um, either expanded their uh, relationship with us to add on new populations, added on new services 
um, in you know mental health services were in fact um, one of the areas that uh, were really uh, impacted the most in terms of new need and, and again um, and, and an ability to get to traditional settings and so saw a huge growth there. So each part of the the the, the healthcare ecosystem was impacted a little differently, but um, again the most common the commonality was an acceleration of sort of adoption and use of virtual care, which is really exciting. And Dan, how do you see telehealth going forward playing a larger role in healthcare um, and, and a, a broader use of the technology too? Yeah, I, we see it. Um, I, I don't. There's certain things that may change, right? So who knows whether government policy and reimbursement policy will will stay as it is today? Uh, but some things aren't going back, right? Or, or sort of changing back, and and you know you can't undo the ex positive experiences that consumers have had and providers have had uh, providing virtual care. So I, I absolutely do expect virtual care to play a, you know, a larger role um, in care delivery uh, uh, going forward. Um, and, and again, I think that, that that's a continuation of trends towards, uh, for instance, uh, broader, broader sets of clinical um, sort of services that are available via virtual care. So uh, back when I started at, at Teladoc Health, uh, we were uh, a one product company uh, sort of in the rear view mirror looking back, which was remote urgent care, essentially. Um, and, uh, you know, since then, uh, we've added and, and, and seen growth in new specialties like behavioral health, dermatology, both of which um, expanded uh, uh, from a utilization perspective dramatically over the last uh, few months, again, accelerating a curve. Um, also, the types of, of sort of services available, not just uh, telehealth services, but um, uh, expert uh, medical services, what we call virtual center of excellence um, uh, models, where uh, you know that that's another area of the healthcare system that was uh, um, really challenged, right? Because center of excellence models are, are generally predicated on um, you know identifying a, a or a few top um, uh, sites and of care um, uh, hospitals um, or uh, care providers around the country for a given subspecialty, and people have to fly there. Um, in order to, you know, see those those specialists and, and get treated there. Before that was an inconvenience, and now that's uh, obviously a, a huge risk, particularly for individuals who may have uh, these very challenging conditions, who may need a transplant or, um, you know, have other uh, you know, oncology problems. Uh, and so, um, you know, being able to virtualize as much of that as possible is really powerful. So that, that's another uh, area where I expect um, the role of virtual care to grow is sort of in that those other types of, of uh, sort of special specialty services. Um, and even beyond that, um, we saw through, um, uh, uh, through Medicare Advantage, uh, but, you know, through CMS opening up the, 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 the broad range of specialties that can count, in this case, towards uh, network adequacy rules. Uh, and so I think that'll also help broaden out um, the types of uh, specialty care that's uh, available through through virtual care. So, um, a lot of different dimensions to uh, telehealth playing a larger role. Um, the one piece I, I, I didn't mention, um, but probably worth you know getting into, is also the role where longitudinal care uh, is is uh, increasingly uh, going to be delivered through uh, virtual uh, environments. Uh, so, not just uh, episodic care, but really um, longitudinal virtual primary care uh, models, which we, we talked about um, is key to our 
uh, sort of uh, forward strategy. Um, and uh, we expect that'll uh, be adopted even more rapidly. Um, again, as patients have um, been uh, challenged and, and will probably continue to be reticent about going into physician offices, um, you know, being able to do more of that um, sort of prevention, screening, uh, chronic condition uh, support uh, via virtual with a, a virtual care team and a virtual care plan um, and still seeing being seen in person when, when to, to a community setting when needed, but more of it being done virtually. Um, I think will also be part of uh, uh, virtual care's uh, uh, role um, going forward. Yeah, it's it's very exciting when you think about all of the scope and you laying it out like that. It, it really is very exciting. So patients embracing virtual care, hospitals and health insurance providers looking to implement virtual care solutions at scale. The, the two questions kind of as a follow-up to all of that that I have, though, how can we, number one, measure and maintain the quality? And number two, what about the access? Because that's an issue, too, for a lot of people who may not have access. How do we make sure that people who need that access have the access? Yeah. So maybe I'll start with the second piece of that and then do the first. And, and we've always been committed as, as Telenic Health to not letting um, the technology become a barrier to care um, as we're moving into this um, sort of environment and have been over the last years where you're trying to uh, make uh, care enabled uh, and available and accessible, um, you know, when the patient and the doctor are in different places, just to put it very generically. So we've always given patients um, the choice of uh, mode of technology. So whether that be uh, a live video visit, a simple uh, phone call that's uh, sort of uh, enabled through the sharing of medical uh, information, um, uh, store and forward models for things like dermatology, um, making sure uh, that customer um, service is, is, is available um, via, via the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All of those are important things um, to, uh, to enable all different uh, uh, parts of uh, you know, society and, uh, in, in, you know, from a health insurer's perspective, different segments of, uh, you know, the, the commercial, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, all to have equal um, and appropriate access to care. So I think that's really, that's really important. And actually, that's why it's, it's been good to see that, um, you know, that uh, as uh, uh, government uh, of various sorts have, have taken action during COVID, they really tried not to be biased about what technology you need to be using to access uh, virtual care. So I think that's, in, that's important. Um, in terms of quality itself, uh, it, it is a great question. Uh, ultimately, virtual care should be at least good or better in many cases from, from a quality perspective because uh, you have the ability uh, to uh, sort of do uh, quality assurance and on or, or sort of QA um, the charts. You have the ability to put evidence-based medicine guidelines uh, in around the delivery of virtual care, see that they're adhered to, right? Sort of that sort of monitoring and, and sort of surveillance uh, from a quality perspective on, on sort of the care that the physician or other type of provider is, is delivering is really critical. Um, and in this environment, that's a little bit of a wild west right now in terms of what platforms, um, I'm putting air quotes around platforms, uh, you know, providers are, are using FaceTime and uh, Zoom and Zoom bombing and all these things, uh, you know, being able to have uh, a uh, not just scalable, but also very secure platform that you're able to monitor, you know, did a visit happen? How long was it? What sort of documentation was tied to it? 
all those sorts of things I think are going to become increasingly important uh, for for payers um, as they look at you know am I really getting value from the virtual care uh, or telemedicine uh, visits that uh, you know are ultimately getting you know they're getting billed for. Um, so there are many different elements to, to sort of quality, both clinical and, and sort of otherwise. Uh, and, and again, see um, that uh, virtual should be a great way to enhance the quality of care that, that consumers are getting, not just make it more accessible. Dan, you touched on a couple of really important elements for health insurance providers with respect to networks or Medicare Advantage and reimbursement rates. If you step back for a second and I, at AHIP, we work with, um, you know, well over 100 health insurance providers as our members. I mean, what do you think some of the big implications are for health insurance providers? And also, if you flip it on the other side and the, the members that they serve, how do you think that growing acceptance of virtual care uh, will result in better opportunities for health insurance providers as well? So let me let me address the first one. Uh, I, I think what's what's really interesting is um, many of our uh, payer uh, clients have been taking an approach over the last few years, in particular, to really embrace virtual care as part of you know, how they differentiate in the market, whether that be in a sort of an exchange sort of individual type model or other like you know other individual model like an MA model or in a group. Uh, commercial uh, model, but using virtual care as a key enabler to their their strategies, uh, differentiation strategies, um, how they uh, reduce cost of care, um, overall increase access, um, et cetera. And part of that um, is uh, it, it has been um, partnering to uh, have virtual care become much more uh, embedded within how they their user experience to put it simply or sort of member experience um, so uh, so that's you know within um, their mobile apps that they're that they've rolled out to create more you know sort of ongoing relationship with their members um, or website or, or other sort of sorts of platforms having virtual care woven right in um, you know whether it be um, you know fully white labeled or otherwise, um, you know, from an experience perspective, really simple um, and seamless uh, for their members to use. That, that's been a trend. Um, and that's certainly part of our, uh, our uh, sort of technology model and being able to embed our virtual care capabilities in, in sort of any platform. Um, and that's been really powerful. Um, and I'm certainly expecting that to continue um, as uh, health plans are seeing virtual is now um, you know, an even more essential part of how uh, care will be delivered and paid for uh, within their, you know, within their, within their health plan. Um, and, you know, an extension of that is plans that are looking at, um, and I think many were doing it anyway, but, you know, even more plans looking at uh, models or virtual, what we've been calling virtual first models, where virtual is the first point of entry uh, for many people, for, for many things. It's sort of the first stop. Uh, for many consumers and how they access uh, the plan. Um, I think virtual care will only be more important, um, you know, from a pure access perspective. And so I don't expect plans to uh, um, to sort of take their, their feet off the gas, so to speak, from uh, looking at virtual care as, as a key part of, you know, how they deliver access. Well, Dan, I think you answered a big portion of the question, which was really around the consumer and the member impact. And I think that's really something that, 
you know, health insurance providers are very interested in terms of understanding what the consumer acceptance is going to be with respect to virtual care. And is it going to have staying power? Uh, I mean, I guess at, at that level, what are your what's your sense about that? That's one of the things I'm most sure about um, is that, you know, consumers um, uh, were so some were already using virtual care. Um, and certainly, as we looked at our statistics, um, there were repeat users, so to speak. So uh, users in the last few months who had already used the service. Um, and, and, and that was certainly great. But there were many, many first time users. Um, who um, had great experiences. And it was really interesting because even during the period of time where, you know, it was most, uh, uh, most challenging, sort of, I guess, in that early to mid-March period where there were slightly longer or somewhat longer wait time, uh, customer satisfaction, member satisfaction was never higher. So people really appreciated the ability in, in the really difficult circumstances uh, that were in place that um, to be able to uh, access a physician, you know, again, from the sort of the comfort and safety uh, of their own uh, home. Um, and so I, I don't think that is unlearned, that it's sort of unlearned or forgotten. Um, and so uh, I, I certainly expect um, that consumers, now that they've had those experiences, um, will, uh, you know, will uh, continue to use virtual care and, and be a primary part of how they think of accessing care. And, and for, even for those who didn't, because maybe they didn't have any symptoms during that period of time, and, and um, there was so much um, attention for virtual care, you know, all the way, you know, from uh, the from the government through, um, you know, local and federal, from health plans, from you know, pretty much every uh, source of information was talking about the sort of the, the value of of, of telehealth. Uh, I think even even if if somebody didn't use it during that period of time, that they're much more aware of virtual care and that their plan uh, benefits include virtual care and how easy it is to use. And so um, that will be uh, uh, sort of pay dividends um, over you know going over the course of time going forward. Uh, I, I think that's uh, the, the consumer adoption piece. Um, is, uh, is is only going in one direction. Along those lines, and you know, we always ask this question at the end of this, uh, at the end of these uh, episodes. We want to get your take on what you think is the next big thing in health, because after all, that is the name of this podcast. So, when you think mm-hmm. about the future of healthcare and the pace of change, as I was just talking about, what you know, what we've seen just in the past several weeks about how quickly things have changed and and morphed in telehealth. What what does the healthcare industry look like in the next five to ten years, in your opinion? Yeah, and and spending a lot of time thinking about that. Um, I think if you look at other industries that were sort of thrown into the pool, you know, you think about on demand or, or delivery of groceries, right? Um, that many people tried it, but all of a sudden everybody was doing it. Then um, there are countless others where there was a sort of a radical shift in people trying vir- virtual, you know, sort of models. Um, and I think it's going to have accelerated the uh, development and sort of evolution of our industry and, and by, by, by many years. And so as I look forward, it's a different answer that I might have given, um, you know, six months ago to what mm-hmm. will look like in five or 10 years. Um, I, I do believe that uh, you will um, find providers and patients uh, and, and with, you know, payers sort of as, as sort of part of that puzzle. Um, who see, you know, uh, care models and experiences where virtual is the sort of the, the primary, right? And, and in-person is, is almost the secondary 
uh, way to access care. Uh, and uh, that, that I think what those models look like and how they're paid for and how they're structured uh, remains to be seen. Uh, but I, I do believe that that's going to be part of the, the future and, and, and uh, th that will uh, not, that'll be, you know, uh, appropriate and sort of attractive, let's call it, for um, a certain portion of the population. Um, uh, but I, I think there's uh, enough um, sort of evidence that consumers want a solution like that, that you can provide high quality care that way. Um, and that, uh, you know, the, the model of how primary care physicians in particular have been sort of forced to exist from the point of view of how many patients they have to see to, you know, um, to, uh, to, to sort of stay afloat economically uh, while, um, you know, trying to deliver, you know, quality, uh, long-term care to patients. It, it was an un unsustainable model, which is why so many pri primary care physicians in particular were dropping out, you know, retiring and not getting replaced um, on sort of the front end. Um, and so I see virtual care, um, you know, as a key, a key enabler to actually revitalizing and, and reimagining how primary care in particular uh, is delivered uh, because it, it, we're sort of in need of change there. Uh, and, and I think uh, five or 10 years from now, there may be models which um, look completely, you know, different than what you will see today. Uh, but that, um, you know, we'll, you always wonder why we didn't have that. Well, it's it's interesting to hear hear your take on all of this, and you know, and a quick adoption and sort of a necessary adoption. So it's it's fun to hear your your take because you're you know at the early you were the early adopters and and really kind of helping usher this um, down the path. So um, thank you for joining us today and for giving us your take, Dan. Um, and we also want to thank your organization, Teladoc Health, for serving as the sponsor for season two of the next big thing in health. So thank you for being with us today. Great, thank you. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the next big thing in health. If you like what you heard, tell a friend and remember to leave a rating or review.